0: But know this, no matter where we are in life, the God of heaven
1: is the key to us moving.
0: In the Old Testament book of 2 Kings 5, it's kind of a familiar portion of scripture to some, maybe not to others. And I entitled this message, The Key to Life. You know, we have many keys in life, do we not? In fact, I have too many keys. I mean, look at this. Look what I carry in my pocket. look, Look at this. I mean, you know, I have a Jeep, and they, can they make the key fob any bigger than this? I mean, this is like a, it's like a notebook or something. It's like a laptop I'm carrying around. And then I got all these keys. I, I carry too many keys. So we all have keys. You might not have as many as me. Maybe you have more. I don't know. You know. The keys to our car, the keys to our house, you know. But understand, the key for your car is used to set your car into motion. It engages the starter. Now, once the car is started, right, now we can go. But remember, the key only triggers the juice to start the car. It's actually the starter that turns the engine over and got the engine running. Now, people are looking for some kind of peace and stability in our world right now. There's a lot of uncertainty in the air you could say that's putting it mildly especially here in the United States right now but know this no matter where we are in life the God of heaven is the key to us moving he is the key not a man not an establishment but God himself for his purpose even in the midst of defeat at times in our life is to keep us in the place where he wants us to be Listen to this guy here. Let me explain this guy's predicament here. Because in his life, this guy was beat down. He had every reason to just simply give up. Now, this guy, his business failed in 1831. So he's trying to make a business. It failed. He was defeated for state legislator in 1832. So that didn't work out. He tried another business venture in 1833. Guess what? It failed also. He had a fiance getting ready to get married, but I'm sorry, she died in 1835. Okay, you think it can't get any worse for this guy. Then he has a nervous breakdown in 1836. Just let me call in the chips. He married another woman in 1842, and he had four children. Three of those children died. One at the age of three, one at 11 and one at 18. His wife was considered mentally imbalanced. Why not after losing all of her children like that? Then he ran for Congress in 1843. He was defeated. He tried again in 1848. He was defeated again. He ran for a Senate in 1855 and he lost. And the next year he ran for vice president. Well, he lost that too. Then in 1859, he ran for Senate again. He was defeated. Yet because there was something inside of him that just kept pushing him. And it activated a spark inside of his heart to never give up. He continued to move forward after all of those defeats in life. And in 1860, he was elected as the 16th president of the United States. Probably heard of him before. His name was Abraham Lincoln. Boy, what a life. I wonder what it'll take in our life to keep us moving to activate something, a spark inside of our heart, so that we don't give up, so that we continue to move forward, that we would be who God desires us to be. Let me ask you here tonight, do you know where you're going? You're thinking, well, I'm not really going anywhere right now. I'm at church. No, no, no. Do you know where you're going in life? Do you know what your true purpose is in this life? Are you open to God's plan over your plan? Understand, we only have one life, one life, that's it, the one we're living in, and God wants to activate his purpose in this life right here and now. We're going to consider four different people, and they're they're from all walks of life, from greatness all the way down to slavery yet somehow they all came together in this one story of what happened here. And they all play a significant role in this intriguing portion of God's word in 2 Kings chapter five. Let's look at this first point here, the weakness of the mighty. As we read together in 2 Kings chapter five, we'll pick up in verse one. It says, now Naaman captain of the army of the king of Aram. Oh, he's a great man with his master. And highly respected because by him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. And the man was also a valiant warrior. But he was a leper. He was a leper. Hmm. Here we have a valiant warrior, the Bible says, and his name is Naaman. His name means gracious and fair. And maybe he was, but not towards his enemy, of course, because on the battlefield, oh, he was the captain of the army of Aram. He was the commander. He was the highest ranking officer. He was the man, you could say. Know this, he wasn't in charge by chance. Verse 1 said that he was a great man. He was highly respected. He was a man of affluence. As if his resume couldn't get any better, it actually does. He was also a valiant warrior, meaning he didn't just rule over the military. He was a man of war. He was a fighting machine. Yes, as the Bible stated, Naaman is a prime specimen of a human being, you could say. Yet verse 1 ended, with this declaration, but he was a leper. Yes, this great and mighty warrior was filled, his body filled with leprosy. Leprosy was a flesh-eating bacteria, the worst kind of cancer you could imagine, eating up his body, meaning Naaman was a walking dead man. There was no cure for this. This was the weakness of the mighty man. And no matter how many victories he had won, nothing was going to change his destiny. His destiny was to die. He would just continue to get worse and worse until one day, like Alec Trebek of Jeopardy, who passed away today, it would be his last day. The Bible says that it's appointed for every man and every woman to die once. And after this, you'll stand before God and give an account of your life. Jesus even referred to Naaman's leprosy in Luke 4. Now, why was he talking about Naaman in Luke 4? Because Jesus went back to his hometown of Nazareth, and he, he went into the synagogue, and he read, and he said, Yes, the Messiah is coming, and guess what? I'm him. People looked at him like, What? What are you talking about? Hey, get out of here. You know, what are you saying? Aren't you Joseph's son? And Jesus said, You know... A prophet's never welcomed in his own home. Then he talked about how Elijah, you know, back in First Kings, that he, that he was used by God, and out of all the widows that he could have helped during the drought, why? Why was there a drought? Because Elijah said, because of the wickedness of Israel, it will not rain for three years. And so people were all caught up in this drought. There was no food. But there was one widow that he helped out of all the widows of Israel. Did he help out a Jewish Hebrew widow? No. It was a Gentile, he points out. And then he said, you know, there was a time when also there was many lepers in Israel. But God only healed one of them. Who was that leper that he talked about in Luke 4? It was Naaman. Naaman who was a Gentile and not a Jew. A couple things that Jesus is trying to establish there in Luke 4 was that a prophet does not have any honor in his own hometown. But he also said, I'm coming for those who will listen to me, even if they're Gentiles, because I came for all men. But he establishes the fact that this story recorded for us in 2 Kings 5 is real and is true that Naaman happened just like it says. Bringing truth to this biblical story, which brings up our second point, the strength of the weak. Let's read what happens next here, picking up in verse 2. Now, the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She became their household slave. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, the king, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Verse 5, Then the king of Aram said, Well, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, and 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothes, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, and now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read this letter that he tore his clothes and he says, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. We'll stop there. So verse two said that Naaman's, victorious rage that he had taken captive a young girl from Israel understand she was captured against her will her parents possibly and probably killed and now she's been given to Naaman's wife as a common household slave to wait on and to serve her know this she had every right to be angry and bitter think about it wouldn't you How would you react to being stripped away from your family? To be forced to be someone's slave? Yet this little girl, who we don't even know what her name is, does the unbelievable. She accepts her plight. She allows God to work in and through her miserable circumstances. This young slave girl must have lived her life as unto the Lord in front of Mr. and Mrs. Naaman. Because her life shined despite her situation. And now she seizes an opportunity to share with this family how she has told them that there is a prophet that can heal his leprosy. Wow. Somehow, she found strength in her weakness to shine the glory of the strength of the Lord. Consider again what she did here. In verse 3 and 4, she tells Naaman's wife, there is a prophet of God, the only God in Samaria that can heal Naaman. She's referring to Elisha. And because the way she must have lived her life of faith in the Lord in front of them, Naaman believes her. He believes it. So he shares it with his king. Hey, somehow, someway in Israel, there's a guy there that can heal me. Well, the king says, man, I love you. You're my valiant warrior. You have conquered many lands for me. He goes, I'm going to send you, Naaman, with a caravan of money and merchandise to pay to have you healed. Ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold. That's about 750 pounds of silver. It's 150 pounds of gold. Do the math on that. What's gold selling for now? Like, 2,800 bucks an ounce. Do the do the 16 ounces in a pound times 150 pounds. He's got some cash on him to pay for this healing. Well, the king of Israel saw the letter requesting him to heal Naaman. Well, what did he do? He froze with fear. He tore his clothes. He doesn't know what to do. And why is that? Because he was a wicked man. He wasn't living for the Lord. He wasn't walking with the Lord. So when fear, he thinks, am I God? I can't heal this guy. This is a ploy. He's trying to trick me. He wants to start a war with me. I wonder where you turn in the times of trouble. I wonder what happens to you when fear somehow surrounds you and engulfs your hearts. Remember to the true believer, the Bible says this amidst COVID, amidst anything that can come your way. Second Timothy one seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Doesn't matter what's happening. Doesn't matter what goes on in the world. Doesn't matter anything or everything, but it's like God says, you are different from everybody else. If you know me, then I will never give you something that's more than what you can handle. And if even the world falls apart, and as Psalm 46 says, even if the mountains fall into the sea, cease striving and know that I am God. Well, the plot thickens, as you could imagine. Let's read what happens next. Second Kings 5.8 says, and it happened. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he's shaking in his booty there, and he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him, Naaman, come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and imagine all the, the caravan that he had carrying all those goods and everything. Had all of his top soldiers, the uh, yeah, Seal team six with him. Had all of his top guys, and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, "Uh, wait, sent a messenger? Yeah, he just sent a guy down to him. Go tell that guy this. So the servant says, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman, he's furious. And he went away and he said, behold, I thought that the, the man of God, he will surely come out to me and he'll stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and he'll wave his hands over the place and he'll cure the leper. Oh, he was looking for dramatics here. Are not Abana and far the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Could not I go and wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away In a rage. Oh, he's, let's just say, a little hot under the collar here. A little hot under the collar. Well, in steps, Elisha here, the prophet, the man of God. And he comes to the rescue of the distraught and wicked king. Elijah says, King, stop worrying about everything. Send that valiant warrior over here to me. Yes, Naaman was faced with nothing but letdowns up to this point. First, he comes to the king of Israel, and all he says is, what am I supposed to do? Am I God? Can I heal you? Then he's sent over to Elisha's house, pulls up with all his pomp. He's got his chariots with all his, you know, lowered and 22s on it, you know, the whole deal. Yet, as Naaman rides up to Elisha's house, with all of his pomp and his horses and his chariots, his mighty men, his gold and his silver and his merchandise, which I'm sure made him look pretty impressive. But it was all for nothing. Why? Because Elisha, the man of God, he doesn't even come downstairs. He doesn't even come out to greet the guy. He just sends down his servant to say, Uh, excuse me, sir, Elijah's up in the house, and well, he sent me down, I'm his servant, and he told me to tell you to go down to the Jordan River and wash seven times. Go up and down, go jump in the water. Here's a rubber duck, go on, have some fun, okay? Verse 11 tells us that this was The straw that broke the camel's back. You ever just get to that point? You're just a little on edge. Nothing's working out. It's a line here. It's a line there. You got to wait there. Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have the right documentation. Oh, this isn't the right receipt. You, You have to come back. You ever go to DMV? Just the thought of going to DMV puts you into high blood pressure, okay? It's like all of these things. He's furious, That word in the original Hebrew language means he burst out into a rage, meaning he had a meltdown. I can't believe it. You you ever just want to just blast out? It's like, you know, okay, maintain, maintain. Well, not this man. He goes into the full meltdown. Who does this so-called man of God think he is? And who is his God anyway? Doesn't he know who I am? I'm somebody here. I want special treatment. I'm Naaman. I'm the commander. I'm a valiant warrior. I could destroy you and all of your country if I wanted to. Where is my special treatment? Well, we like special treatment, don't we? We like to move to the front of the line. Verse 11 again, it said, he thought Elisha would come down. He thought he was going to make a big ceremony about this. He thought he was going to wave his hands in the air, jump up and down and call out to his God. Isn't that what we like to see on television with television evangelists? and you know, Be healed in the name of Jesus. You know, Send your money and it'll send you holy water to heal you. And you can buy a prayer rag and lay it on your face and it'll heal you. Man, we like pomp. We like big shows here we like that. But what does Elisha do? He just sends a message through his servant. Hey, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. And by the way, the Jordan River, I mean, it sounds so good. Let's go get baptized in the Jordan River. Well, for those of, Jerry, you were there. <laughs> it's like, you go to the Jordan River and you're like, yeah. Anyone ever done a bacteria test on this thing? It's like, I mean, you get inside and it's just kind of murky. you know, you get inside and they got these fish that come and scarf on your feet and you're there and you're baptizing. Yes. Yes. Want we'll to baptize you and I get, yes, you know, be baptized in the name of Jesus, you know. And it's like these fish are scarfing on your feet. It's just, you can't see them because it's so murky. It's like, uh, and, you know, so it's, it's like a mud hole here. So he's in a rage here. He was so mad that he was spewing poison. We've seen people do that. Maybe you've done it yourself. Yes, people want the big show. They want to pay God for their miracle. They want to pay it with good deeds. Lord, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. I I do this and I do that. And, and Lord, you didn't answer my prayer. And we get all mad at God and we point our finger at him. And it's like, we need to get off ourselves. We have sinned before God. Who are we, the unrighteous, to point our finger at the holy and pure God and say anything? God is not motivated by any of your pomp, by any of your popularity. He's not motivated by any of that. God doesn't look on the outside like man looks. He looks upon the inside. Naaman needed to humble himself before God. He had to humble himself. The Bible says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And then he, in his time, he will lift you up. Let's read what happens next. 2 Kings 5, picking up in verse 13. Then his servants came nearer to him. Uh, excuse me, naming what? My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Go kill 10 people and come back with their heads. right back how much more than when he says to you go down and be washed and be cleansed wow verse 14 naaman listened to his servants he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of god and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean wow
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA one word to 77977.